Welcome to a very happy special edition of the Grizzden Pod. We are all in person to bring you the best content that I know that each of you are so eagerly anticipating to hear how excited or you know maybe not as excited depending on who you are in the room. Before we get to this much anticipated content, I would like for any of you loyal listeners and new listeners that are tuning in, please go to wherever it is that you are tuning in from, subscribe to this here podcast, give us a rating, let us know what you think. We read each and every one, even the one star, and we love feedback. You know, we're here for you people. This is why we get together and eat peanut M&M's and drink tequila and talk about our beloved Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzden, I know that I can't take no more. <laughs> it ain't no lie. I want to see you out that door, baby. Bye, bye, bye. I don't want to be a fool for you. I'm just another player in your game for two. You may hate me, but it ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I don't really want to make it tough. I just want to tell you that I have had enough. It might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie. Baby, bye, bye, bye. And now I've really come to see that, Dylan, life is going to be much, much better now that you're gone. Guys, I have ranked... What an intro. Well done. My top five <laughs> things that I am going to miss about Dylan. Oh, my goodness. Number five, his emotional <laughs> intelligence, his ability just to read the room and read the court and take the shot at the most opportune time. I'm going to miss those times. Number four, I'm going to miss his commitments to the fundamentals, the way that he was always going off of the right foot on his layups. And I mean right, I mean correct. I don't mean right as in his right, although he did like to do that from time to time going to the left. Number three, guys, I'm really going to miss. What will his hair look like next year? Will that be something that we would want to discuss? Guys, I really, really am going to miss his ability to set up others for success. He truly had the capacity to make the rest of our team better. He did. Kudos to him. And that. number one, the thing that I'm going to miss the most is his consistency in the playoffs. Guys, Dylan Brooks, report from Twitter.com, from Shams. I'm going to let whomever it is, guys that know the news better than me, actually report on this actual substance. But if you cannot tell, I'm very excited that this time next year, when we're making a playoff run, it will not be with Dylan Brooks. We will have another player to be named at some point in the offseason, or maybe he's just on the roster currently and he's helping us out make a run. But I do know that it won't be Dylan, and I cannot be more excited about that prospect. Will, can you catch us up on the news? What happened today? <laughs> Ding dong, the witch is dead. That's what happened today. Uh, yeah, so Shams, around 11 o'clock, I mean, just dropped a bombshell. And it was a report in The Athletic 
I'll read the tweet word for word. The Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances, comma, league sources say. Full story and details at The Athletic. You know, I'm sure everybody who read the tweet immediately clicked the article and read everything in it, right? That's what we do. We love the articles. Yes. No, but um, this was this was shocking. This was shocking. Um, mainly, I mean, number one, this is the shortest offseason I think Grisden has ever had. <laughs> we made it two or three days, right? And we're back. So you're we welcome, We haven't even everybody. done the Denny's yet. We haven't even done the Denny's. How, can Dylan be on the Denny's? He sure can. Uh, okay. Oh, he qualifies. <laughs> Absolutely. He qualifies. He, he is qualified. So, basically, um, if you read Sham's article, he said in, in the first paragraph that after conversations and exit interviews – it was clear that the team and Dylan Brooks were basically headed different ways. And it was very soon after these exit interviews, which happened just, you know, a few days ago. And that it seems, and there's a lot of speculation happening on Twitter.com right now. And people saying that the this was the Memphis Grizzlies leaking the story uh, basically to to try to remove the negative PR, which we discussed a little bit on our podcast, how um, him not coming back could help in that respect. Um, but I would say the um, the educated opinion here is that Dylan Brooks's agent had something to do with this report leaking out. And, uh, you know, we can talk about, I think that would be a really good discussion point on the podcast of, of why the agent would want to do this at this time, but that seems to be the case. We do not know for a fact who leaked this story. Um, all we do know is that there is, it's, it's pretty clear Dylan's not going to be back and it would be shocking to me if, if he were to be on this team at the start of the season. Now there's only a, a couple of ways that he wouldn't be on the team. And that's number one, him just walking because he's an unrestricted free agent and number two, it would be orchestrating some kind of a sign and trade. And I don't know if we want to get into that now, but that's kind of the reading on the news. Yeah, so maybe just before we get into the reading in between the lines of the news, Ty Smith Sr. over here, just when you saw the tweet and maybe you allowed your, you gathered yourself, you gathered on the, on the appropriate foot going up for a layup as opposed to the wrong foot, maybe you fixed your hair a little bit, what what went through your head? Uh, I think it's coming from media days, uh, or not media days, but the... Um, exit interviews. Exit interviews. It was pretty clear um, that, you know, Kleiman even used the term, we're going to go in a different direction. Um, he didn't say, like, at the starting small forward spot or anything like that. He was very kind of vague, but if you read between the lines, it was a pretty good idea. It was about Dylan because I think the question asked was about like the talk and stuff, you know, the negativity or whatever that Dylan brought. And he basically that was his response was, "We're going to go in, in a different direction this year." So you could kind of imply that, you know, we I mean we all kind of felt that a little bit too um, that Dylan was going to leave. Obviously. Um, my reaction was kind of like stunned, which we all kind of felt this way to see it actually be like tweeted out with the verbiage that was used. Um, and again, climbing being so vague at media days, 
to exit me. Exit interviews. Sorry. Gosh, second time. Exit interviews makes it really hard for me to believe that it was Kleiman indeed in the front office that leaked it. Because Kleiman had his chance to basically be very upfront and forward with the Dylan situation. And he literally said, I will talk about DB another day. Um, he was given the was chance. It to, it, he was did you think he was talking about today? I don't. Um, Kleiman is very, you know, closed off most of the time. He only speaks to the media twice a year, today being one, and basically after the draft being another one. Um, so I just don't really think it came from him. It doesn't make sense that it would come from him. But there was some, like, clarity because, like, last time we, we met, we talked about how losing that contract spot would be tough, right? Like, it's not ideal moving forward in, like, team building, what makes – maybe the smartest decision. Um, so it was kind of surprising that we've, us or him or both, right? Dylan could also be very involved in this because there was a report came out, we'll maybe talk about this later, that he wants a lot more money than we're willing to give. Um, but this does give some, like, true clarity. Okay, he's not back. There is no idea of, like, sign. We even discussed last time, like, trade him at the deadline next year, right? Like, keep the contract kind of stuff. To me, that is all closed. Like, he is yeah. gone. He will not be on a roster at all. Not He will not be with us this summer. Under no circumstance. Under zero to. circumstance. Yeah, that's what they said. Um, so there is some Twitter. clarity there. And I think that, honestly, is probably not, if you think about it, just all the stuff we've been, we've been through, uh, our roster, all that kind of stuff, clear the headspace, kind of bite the bullet to an extent. Not the way that it did, but I think all of our players knew that Dylan was not coming back. Um, that was another kind of like reading between the lines from a lot of national or not a lot of local Memphis writers, basically that the front office met with all of our players, more importantly, our star players, and kind of mentioned to them, Dylan will not be back on this team. Yep. Like, this is y'all three. We are going forward with you three, no one else. Y'all are our stars. Y'all are our studs. Y'all are the voices. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah, because previously, because so previously there had been the four that Dylan had been mentioned at times for sure, and definitely there had been photo ops that had been included in their craft. When you saw the news, did your head go into sort of like contract confusion? Were you like a beautiful mind gif, like working out all the like different scenarios of what could happen? <laughs> Were you sort of sad because? I was not sad. Okay. So just wanted to uh, make well, sure. Actually, I, I wanted some clarification. I so I I was uh as just someone who enjoys clarity, I did a like it was like, okay, good. Like now I can move forward. There's not a what if. He's back on the team. Like that's over. But I was sad in that I did think that this leak hurt uh hurt our sign and trade potential in several ways. And I'm somebody who's a big, I want to sign and trade because I just want more contracts to be able to make more moves and more cap flexibility. And I felt like a sign and trade is much better. As I said, like in the last podcast, you know, every time I see a free agent, just walk it's one that a free agent that's above the mid-level exception walking and you not re-signing them. It just never seems to go well for that team. And so that made me, Sad because I think a sign and trade, uh, like because I think both this leak both uh, hurts. You know, basically shows that the Dylan Grizzlies relationship is not very good. So that tells me that the sign and trade is very. You're, it's very unlikely there's going to be this great cooperation. I also think this kind of behavior 
Um, and I think it is, I think it was not out of the Grizzlies, uh, at least out of the front office. I think this behavior, this kind of behavior is not increasing Dylan's value on the market either. And so even if we do get a sign and trade, it's going to be for much less potentially than maybe I would want. So, so in that sense, I was sad about that, but I, I was excited about the kind of the clarity. Um, you know, honestly, they don't really need to be clear to us. You know, I think what Ty was saying, I mean, for me, if it was clear to the players, I actually think that's a really good thing. We don't necessarily need that clarity, but it's nice as a fan to have it. Yeah, so I think we all did sort of on the last pod when we were discussing steps moving forward, what sort of we were thinking through. It was very obvious the camp that I was landing in. And I think, but we all did sort of in consensus agree that trying to figure out the best way to move off of him regardless of timing that that was what we wanted some of us we sort of disagreed on timing whether it was pre-playoffs beginning of the season but will do you also agree that this definitely hurts our probability to do a sign and trade with dylan so i do in the just based on prior sign and trades that have happened i think the most recent one was between the jazz the cavaliers when colin sexton was signed in the larger Donovan Mitchell deal. Like they had to, like Colin Sexton had to play ball for that trade to be possible because you needed enough money to match Donovan Mitchell's salary coming back. And so, and you had to know in Colin Sexton's situation, he's not going to be able to sign that contract anywhere else in the open market based on his prior injuries, based on a lot of things. And Dylan, I mean, has a similar situation but it's not because of injuries it's because of his everything that comes with him his baggage and so to me yes to an extent it does hurt because you're gonna think that the agent especially Dylan's agent if he if the agent was the one that leaked this which by the way like the Grizzlies would not undercut themselves just based on all prior data that we have of this front office they're not going to leak anything. So this is it's a ridiculous idea that the organization would do this out of spite for Dylan Brooks. They have never operated that way yeah. for as long as they've been uh, in charge. Yeah, and pl- so that's why I just wanted to like clear that. Yeah, and but they always leak through Woj, not through Shams. I mean, another that's like detail, another another little detail. But to to answer your question, it's not impossible. Like I think that through through free agency, keep in mind we are at the very beginning of May and. Free agency doesn't happen until July. So there's so much time for this agent to make calls to for, for other players to move for for basically everyone else. Let's just say like we get to three quarters of the way through free agency. Dylan hasn't found a home. Well, that limits his options by a large margin because he's going to have to take a mid-level somewhere. If he's reported to have wanted $25 million a year earlier this season, like that's Less than who's half. that equivalent to, by the way, just for fun. Who who is well, the, that's Jaron? I mean, yeah. Jaron is making twenty seven. So I mean, it's Jaren kind of hero level, level Tyler hero level. Yeah, with well, Tyler here is a little more bit more. But, but 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 I will say, going into this season, I had mentioned that, and we kind of laughed about it. But there had been written. We did have what, a good chuckle. We yes, we cackled. <laughs> we but it had been written in print by legitimate NBA reporters guesstimating that $25 million, if if Dylan were to have a good year, $25 million a year for what he brings to the table in an ever-increasing salary cap and a new media deal and all that stuff could be potentially out there. And at a position that is the most scarce in the yes. league. 
Right. Uh, but I don't think it's impossible. I think we just have to let it play out, and it's going to have to take a lot of strikeouts from Dylan's camp, basically. And and the Grizzlies basically sitting back and saying, all right, well, yeah. what other options do you have? So, Kraft, why – okay, let's just go with this for a second. Why would Dylan's camp leak this? Yes, that's a good question. And there is uh, – and we haven't thrown out – there is, the, like, the possibility of just it got out in the ether and, like, one of the Grizzlies players knew this happened and, like – and, and told their agent and their agent for some reason is trying to like throw sham some info for some other reason. So that is like a small percentage chance, but I do think it's probably from Dylan's agent. And I think, uh, because of what you saw, if you saw on Twitter today, um, you know, surprisingly a, a large amount of national media people and, and NBA people, and honestly, even some local people criticized, like the Grizzlies for scapegoating Dylan. It's bigger than him. The problem's really jaw. The problem is the front office and, you know, just basically enabling all of our players. The problem is no veterans that like all these sorts of things. And then, and so, and I just think it's this inclination on social media that, uh, you know, Dylan's the butt of every joke, but then once you get a hold of a, a sort of individual verse, the man or verse, the organization type narrative, I think on social media, a lot of people will then blame the organization, the institution, as opposed to the individual. And so it kind of made him a little more of a victim, a little more empathetic, I think. I think that's, the, I mean, to me, that's part of it. I mean, maybe, you know, it, it's uh, it's somewhere the hope that people would be upset that the Grizzlies aren't thinking of bringing him back. I don't know. I mean, but that's my main thing is just trying to change the narrative to Grizzlies bad, not Dylan bad. And at least for, you know, I guess 12 hours, it I don't think it's like been super effective, but it has been effective. It was a beautiful yeah. day on the internet. Yeah. This yeah. is this is why the internet is absolutely hilarious. Yes. And you have to take it for what it's worth, which is just a very fickle right. group. Yeah, because my immediate thought wasn't, oh, man, this is going to make the organization look bad. I read it initially. So I, I read it and then was off of – I was at an off-site meeting and off the computer for three and a half hours. Like I left – I sent a bunch of texts to you guys and then bolted and like didn't pay attention to anything for a really long time. Probably and came, better. And then came back to the organization being thrown underneath the bus. My initial read on it, as as limited as this seems, is like – whomever is doing this, they're trying to maximize Dylan's opportunity because he's basically saying the Grizzlies definitely don't want him, but let's just go figure out now all offers are, are, are opportunistic. They're, they're not going to match. They're not going to pull. You have the chance to come get him if you want him. That was my initial thought. And I do think that that is, it's playing out from a narrative perspective as if, as if that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And the under and, and the under any circumstances does sound petty. Like it does sound exceptionally like, petty. Yeah. Like, hey, like really, if if, if Dylan would sign for petty. two million a year, a probably second team all defensive player who's been with you all forever, you wouldn't sign him for two million dollars a year really under any circumstances. So there is that kind of pettiness, too. Yeah, and if you read, again, Willis, to your kind of credit, like who actually read the article. <laughs> um, so the basically the almost like the second to last paragraph, something like that, of the athletic article, quote, Memphis did make contract extension offers to Brooks early in the season, which were rejected and led to the end of talks, sources said. 
So clearly we were willing to bring him back for something, right? It sounds to me like a kid who goes home they're from school, tells their parents something that like the teacher said to them that like the teacher definitely didn't say, but the parents then freak out, you know, and come sure. and talk to the teacher. Like that's what it sounds like to me is Dylan went to tell his agent you know, and dramatized it to the point where the agent was like, oh, how can we now use this to our advantage? Yeah, it sounds like a self-awareness problem. Uh, which definitely is a um, skill Part underneath of emotional but intelligence of one of the that things was, that I actually love yeah, the most. Yeah, I was most. saying self-awareness is one of the top five reasons I'm going to miss Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, it is. And the other thing that just the stuff that has started to come out, um, I think, in multiple places was his desire to have an increased role on the team. There's multiple people that have been sorting citing that today and i'm saying that only because i'm curious will what do you think on this story in particular is going to happen next well there as in where where is dylan's future in the league where is dylan's future in the league what do you think? Because Kraft, you're you're next up on this because I know that you've got some theories on where some of this stuff would go. But take that open ended question any direction you want. Well, to me, I immediately think about a team number one, either a contender that has enough, I guess, built up in terms of their star power that Dylan would not get any ideas about where he was in the pecking order. There, the other side of the coin would be a let's just say a Rockets-type team who just need an identity. Uh, let's say they strike out on the first pick in the draft, and they just need somebody who's going to come in and play and do the dirty work and maybe just, I don't know. I, you. It's kind of funny to think of Dylan as like somebody who's good for morale after what he did to this Grizzlies team in the playoffs, but I do think that could you could talk yourself into a Dylan Brooks. And I think people tend to I mean we've I know I have talked myself into players that might have had you know trouble in other situations thinking if we brought him into an organization that is on the right path and is about the right things then they're going to thrive in this situation even though they didn't thrive over there so and and also we just love as a general society to change our minds and zag and maybe take this as a, the stock market is now crashing, therefore I'm going to buy. Yeah. And so I think it could go one of those two ways. And, and obviously you're looking at the teams too who are, have struggled defensively. So those are the top teams to look at. Yeah, I do think the if he gets an asking price that he's comfortable with, that team does have the opportunity to on the onset say, this is your role sort of like what we sort of conjectured a little bit could be part of a resign opportunity with us. But Kraft, earlier you were sort of getting into some discussions on where you sort of think maybe not just news on Dylan, but news in total could be headed during the off season. Yeah, I mean, I just think, I guess for me, the exit interviews – showed me like it, it just it was interesting to me how we came out with jaw ja, jaron bain these are our leaders the silence was deafening at the lack of of a mention of dylan the silence was deafening really with jaw bain and jaron 
not mentioning Dylan at all in their exit interviews, talking about how they all three of them name checking each other as the leaders on the team. Um, and, and so that makes me wonder, I mean, so my, my curiosity here is what happens next with this situation. And if we start getting slander coming out from the Dylan camp and then who knows what's going to happen? Because I, I, I mean, for me, even with what we saw, uh, if, if this leak is true and it's not, it, I mean, I'm assuming it's a little dramatized, just like I'm assuming the 25 million a year is probably a little dramatized. Like it's probably, that was probably their first ask in a negotiation. And so there's probably a little bit of dramatization, but I mean, I still feel like there are things that happen behind the scenes that, uh, that we don't know and that might always stay behind the scenes, but that might come out if mud starts getting slung um, by anybody, because I'm just, because even as bad as, as frustrating as the stuff he said, LeBron is as bad as he played in the playoffs. uh, I've just, I've never seen an organization kind of like, and I think they weren't mean about it, but just really make it clear that a guy was not part of the future in that way, especially when they're trying to, you know, and they were trying to be nice because they do want the sign and trade option. So it's just, so I just feel like something stuff happened and I'm wondering if that's going to come out here in the next two months. But again, for the Grizzlies, they want nothing. They would love for Dylan's value to be high. That's right. And so they want no part because, you know, as fans, we should want that right. too. By if the he's way. only a mid-level exception player, well then it doesn't matter anymore about the sign and trade. Really? I mean, it's about if he's a higher than that, can we, you know, we would love for a team that's over the cap to want Dylan at an above mid-level exception type price because then they have to deal with us if they want to sign him. And and so and it has to be at least three years yeah, of a contract to, to sign. Years. By the yeah. way, it doesn't have to be yes. fully guaranteed, but you have to at least sign him for three so, years. That's no small investment, right? And so and so that's sort of and so the Grizzlies have incentive, and I think they're trying to play nice. I'm just wondering if they start. Uh, because this, you know, this Ramona Shelburne saying that it's 25 million a year, that is to me very much coming from a Grizzlies source. And I feel like that was a sneaky way of the Grizzlies basically being like, if we're going to start the leak game, it's not going to go well. I think it's you. a really, the whole like what could be being said thing, the internal behind the scenes idea, meaning would Dylan slander more? Could he slander Ja more? Could he slander internal workings of certain things? Uh, which is highly possible, I, I, I think. I mean, we had a, a very volatile season with lots of different players, Ja being one of them. You would hate for certain stuff like that to come from Dylan's camp to just be petty. I mean – he pokes bears, right? He's gonna be petty, and pokes I'm, the Grizzlies. He he does. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I didn't do that pun on purpose, but thanks for reminding me, Mister Walker. The other thing too that, like, I just I'm gonna go ahead and say here is that I hope I worked at a camp a couple summers, Alpine Camp for Boys, and we were trained by a children's psychologist, and he would say to us in terms of how one talks to children is. Whenever they're arguing and fighting with you, don't pick up the rope. You're dealing with a child here. Memphis, Grizzlies, don't pick up the rope. 
My comment on that, too, like, Kraft, to your point, every older player, every player that's ever come through this, our organization since this new management has taken over has had nothing but great things to say. Um, Jay Crowder speaks very highly of his time in Memphis. Solo Solomon Hill speaks very highly of his time in Memphis. We literally let Andre Guadalla stay in California the entire time he was technically on our roster so he could rehab and work out on his own terms. So to me, it's Danny Green, Danny Green's Most recently, one. yeah, spoke spoke very highly. Wanted to like quote saw himself being here for a long time, um, and even said on his podcast after he got traded that like he loved our organization, um, very professional. So to me, like if anything negative comes from Dylan, that is that is Dylan and his team, like you said, trying to just throw mud. And I do not see our front office picking up the rope because that's something we've never done um the jaw thing today so jaw apparently instagrammed a picture of him and dylan today basically like showing his respects basically like i'm with you forever like we went through a lot of stuff together we're boys for life kind of thing so if he starts doing like personal attacks on players that now that could really like that could cost him huge as in his next team contract all that kind of stuff like, stuff like this happens all the time in the NBA. I was listening to the Raja Bell, um, Logan Murdoch podcast. This was probably a while ago. Um, real ones. Real ones on the ringer. And he, Raja was talking about how, I think it was Raja, maybe it was someone else, um, talking about when David West was on the Warriors and they won that championship. He basically said that if it ever comes out, all the stuff that we were dealing with as a team, everyone would be shocked, the fact that we won a title. I think stuff like this, not just like this Dylan stuff, but like internal stuff happens all the time in the NBA. I think that's what happens when you get 15 guys in a locker room who or who are just basically wired the way that Dylan is. He's just they more, compete for a living. Yeah, and he like just voices it more than others. But I guarantee all of them feel the way he does. He's just like maybe again not aware enough to not say anything, right? So I think this kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, but I really trust our front office to be very wise. And control the controllables, which is kind of something oddly that Jenkins talked about as far as our team is concerned. Um, That's such a Jenkins question. It really is. Uh, so I, I don't, I'm not concerned about that at all. I think I think we are we are moving forward in a positive way. We are taking steps forward, and this was the beginning of that. And honestly, I'm kudos to you to use his own term. Kudos to the front office for recognizing that we probably sat down with him, our front office, at exit interviews, not media days. For all you idiots calling it media days, y'all got to stop doing that. Um, I think we sat down, Dylan. I mean, we'd be getting ready for a season. It'd be awesome, actually. Came to an agreement, both parties involved, and said this is not something where what you want is not going to happen and what we want is not going to happen. So, therefore, let's just part ways. Happens all the time. Yeah. Chris Harrington had a great tweet today, basically, that, Upcoming free agents are told by their teams, their current employers, we do not plan on bringing you back. That happens all the time. That lets the player have a heads up. That is respectful to the player. That gives the agent a heads up to kind of start planning out the next steps. That's the right way to do business. Um, in my mind, that's what we did. And I don't know where the leak came from. It's hard to say. And if Dylan's team like took that personally, we are better for it. Right, we are better for him getting out of our program, getting out of our organization, and I think that's the end goal. I think we are like, okay, this this is just not going to happen. 
we're moving on, and hopefully in a couple months this is not thought about anymore. And then we move on. It's and like that's, Dylan. That's what we need to do. Everyone just needs to move on. Dylan needs to move on. We need to move on. The fans, the media, everyone Life needs would to move be on. much better now that you're gone. I I'm, I'm cannot be some, in more agreement quote, with yeah. you it's and the, the like, great like, philosophers honestly, I mean, in sync, Justin I mean, Timberlake. I think, I mean, despite, you know, some some people in here will will disagree with me on this possibly. Can't but I mean, wait. But I am I am like I would like for Dylan to come back in another uniform and us have a, a cool video for him and some of the fun things he did for us. Okay, this and is it be, fair. And it be amiable. And and I just were and that is you know and I'm I worry that this is the kind of thing and that Dylan is gonna make that an unfeasible thing. This is why I was my tweet today uh, on the Chom tweet was. Let Are you gonna cite yourself, let, please? To quote this, myself. To quote, we'll yes. let the to quote cheer yourself. versus boo debate begin because yes. that's gonna be a hot debate oh, when yeah. Dylan comes back in another uniform. Oh, yeah. Do we cheer him for all that he did for us or do we boo him for how he left? All right, look. Here's the deal, like. Uh, I don't want to say anything optimistic about Dylan on this podcast because this is me hosting the I'm glad that he's gone, but this is y'all's chance to say something positive. I will not boo him personally because I don't like to boo players other than like LeBron when he's Can I say playing. one negative thing and then I'll let sure. everybody else say a positive thing? <laughs> I think let me it's, get one negative. I in. think it's really <laughs> potentially funny and we don't know what's going to happen, but I think we can look back. And this just makes me laugh that Dylan thinks his, like his very last move as a grizzly would be to basically like sacrifice this move, like a chess move, which would be the Grizzlies using him as like a contract in a bigger trade and like him laughing that he took a move off the board. And then all of a sudden he realizes like he was a tiny little piece on the board and it like doesn't affect the Grizzlies at all. And so like that was last, his last move. He thinks it's huge and it ends up being small. And so I think we could look back and and see that be the case. Let's I mean let's hope so. Best case scenario for the Grizz is is what you just I said. D- I do want to just throw it out there too that you know and again I don't we don't we shouldn't we should be objective and not trust the Grizzlies front office you know that they could be diabolical as well. But I'll tell you that that you know Jeff Calkins, Mark Giannato, Chris Harrington, Tim like every. Every reporter locally and nationally that is really dialed into the Grizzlies have come pretty strongly out to say the leak is not from the Grizzlies. And and not to say that that doesn't mean they're lying to all these reporters, but that's just that's also just definitely there that our the Grizzlies are not the ones that started all this. So. All right, positives. Yeah, go Ty. Uh per my better half, my wife as she left the room said, "Can someone please just say something nice about him?" So here we go. Uh, you know, he played really hard every night. You could count on Dylan showing up and giving it at all, giving it his all, giving him his, giving it, there his we all. are. Will we miss that next year on the court tie? Uh, I mean, maybe honestly, like not in playoff situations, a hundred percent, but like a random away game on against like a, Orlando, a four, you know, you want a five game road trip and it's the fourth game of that. Yeah. And some random city and the other team has like one big offensive creator player that can like beat you and everyone else is terrible. And Dylan can't take that guy away. Um, I think, I think there will be aspects where we're like, it, it will be less obvious though. I think, um, it will be like maybe an after the fact and it's kind of probably going to be something you have to talk yourself into. Right, like if if we play the Warriors and Steph has a big game, 
and someone says the obligatory, well, if Dylan was here, that wouldn't happen. And then you look up all the other times Steph has played against us and had huge games and Dylan was on the floor, and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know. And then what Will had a great point today, like let's say our defensive rating drops a little bit, but our offensive rating like goes up, like, you know, that could 100% happen. That's not staying positive, but that, I mean, it's I, not. That actually, was moving towards the negative. He can anybody hard. else? Oh, can anybody I, else talk positively? Oh, really hard. Go. I got plenty of them. I think you want to go. I think that the that Utah series was very galvanizing for the Grizzlies as an organization. I think it got us off on the right foot. Great point. When it came to the playoffs, Dylan averaged twenty five points in that playoff series and played excellent defense and just was a huge part like he was there for it I just, like that you couldn't could have say, happened like you could say anything you want but dylan was there for it bame was rookie time. season so yes. he was like still getting his feet underneath 100 percent, and yes that was the exception rather than the rule we found out um over the course of more playoff series but you can never fault him for ever shrinking in those moments. Yeah. If anything, he just grew too large and did try to do too much. Um, yep. So there, there's a worse version where you see, uh, you know, bad timing g- given last night, but you've seen what James Harden has done in every game, but last night, totally. you know, and, and he's evolved players evolved, but like he was there for it. Yeah. I mean, Kraft he played really the- hard before Kraft gets to all of his positives. Um, no, we want two, just two. We're limiting okay. it to two. I mean, Dylan was a, he was a valuable player for our team. He really was. It all came to a head. I think we did a somehow a good job burying his like off the court stuff for the most part until this year, um, which is probably the worst year to have all of this come forward. Um, he played really hard. He was great defensively, and occasionally he went on heaters and hit shots. But I guess, I guess that's really Kraft. Give us give us two. Let's so uh, I'm going to take three. But no. Um, so I would say the that I there was a time there that he is, and obviously, I mean, I I still fear that we're going to look up next season and we're going to be losing games one twenty to one fifteen instead of losing them like a hundred and five to a hundred uh, because we have lost some defensive intensity. I think uh, like he's a rare person who can really really uh, do a great job defensively on De'Aaron Fox and then the very next night do a great job on Zion. That like he is somebody who is always willing to guard the best player, and I like that. I think uh, I think he also um, he was very inefficient, uh, and again this, I'm, but I'm gonna make a positive. He was very inefficient. He took way too many shots, but he made a lot of big shots for us. And I, you know, I can even just go back to the San Antonio game this year where he made the shot to put us in overtime. He often would be three for f- for fifteen, but then hit like the shot that. You know that that got Pete Panica, you know, uh, saying his phrase, and we've won the game. And so, so that that did happen. He was he was that. Uh, just other little dumb things. Uh, you know, I enjoyed I enjoyed all the dancing stuff beginning of the games. I enjoyed that he was a part of that. I hope that continues uh, in his absence. And you know, the LeBron thing shades everything, but. I did enjoy the time to time, like his heel turns, his crazy sunglasses where he would say crazy things. The wrestling stuff, uh, for the most part, was very enjoyable to me. I, I can't use that as a positive now, though, because uh, he just totally uh, went way overboard the last in the last one, and it, and it really hurt us. So just to put a tie bow on all of this, 
this is why life is going to be much better now that Dylan's gone. Is because I trust our front office to recognize the positives that Dylan showed us that we need and find a better solution or have recognized enough of when we didn't have Dylan of where we can lean into a different strategy. And this is going to set us up for the next segment of where this Grizzlies team potentially could be heading. Is it leaning more into like getting a better version of what Dylan provided or maybe a different approach to try something different headed into next season? So I want us to break down the climbing interview uh, on exit interviews here in just a second, but we're going to take a quick break before we do that. All right, we're back. Uh, one of the things that happened, it seems like forever ago, but it was really just, I don't know, yesterday, the day before yesterday. Somebody give me up my dates. Y'all know that's not my strong suit. We're uh, GM of the Memphis Grizzlies, Zach Kleiman, um, had a pretty extensive Q&A with local media. Um, one of the few times that you're actually able to see him. And in listening to the interview, if you haven't listened to it, it's easy to go on YouTube and just find it. I found it to be very transparent, addressed most comments head on. There were a couple things like Dylan that he was very clear that he did not want to address at that point in time. There were a couple other narratives that were specifically addressed. And so I think that we could sort of go a couple of different directions with this thing. But, Will, I guess I want to just kick it to you and say what was one of your main takeaways in listening to Kleiman's exit interview and sort of thinking through the future and what the Grizzlies could be trying to do in this offseason moving into the next season. Yeah, I think one of the positives and negatives, depending on how you want to look at it, of this front office is that they tend to be very robotic in the way that they interact with the public, which has proven to be good overall. I mean, less before this season, less volatile. Um, but this was a very transparent Zach Kleiman that I've never seen before. It was almost as if... I was, I was telling you guys, it was similar to the conversation that we were having just the other night. And it's, it's, it's not normal to, to feel that way in a climate presser. He was very upfront about this season being a disappointment. They did not try to spin anything whatsoever. And usually in a, in a team that is the two seed, the second season in a row, with this young of a squad, they are trying to put as much positive PR out there as possible and he was very honest that they were they were not happy with how the season went that they were going to change some core things about their identity mm -hmm. some of which was the talking which were I was encouraged by I've been so tired of the talking and Jenkins quote was let's not talk the talk let's walk and and walk the walk let's walk the walk and walk the walk and uh, the players were laughing at that, which I kind of enjoyed as well. Controlling the controllables. That's right. Um, but overall, I think it was really interesting near the very beginning of the press conference when unprompted, Kleiman said, was it the right decision to triple down on youth? Mm. And that can be taken a couple of different ways. Um, does he think it's a mistake to, let's say, draft Kennedy Chandler and sign him to a guaranteed deal? I thought it was. And they have already waived him. And, I mean, ironically enough, they brought up a two-way undrafted rookie, so it's not like they like brought in a vet after that. But, I mean, to draft David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, Kennedy Chandler, Kenny Lofton, 
and Vince Williams all in the same offseason in a time in which we thought we, they were at least going to consolidate a couple of those picks. Um, and we've talked at length about that being sort of a surprise, and yet they still had some success. But he was questioning himself in, in that. And so that was very notable to me and could forecast different ways in which they're going to build. And I know Kraft might have some thoughts on that. But the other thing that I took away, and this is a very, I, I guess, a report that we hadn't seen yet, was how Brandon Clark and Steven Adams are doing health-wise. And it was completely opposite of what I thought he was going to say. First, he made it a point to say that Brandon Clark is ahead of schedule and that you could see him at some point next season. He didn't promise when. It's almost as if he was really trying to hold himself back from being too positive That's about exactly when we could what see I Brandon Clark, which is amazing given that BC is in the first year of a four-year contract and he is his whole game is built on athleticism. But then on the other side of the coin, he – he was almost hesitant to say that Steven Adams would be available for the start of the season in October. So I, I just think the the mysteriousness of the Adams situation versus the optimism of the Brandon Clark was a notable um, nugget, I guess you could say, from that exit interview. Yeah, I'll um, the transparent thing I sort of hit on. I, I I noticed the same on sort of the player discussion with Clark and Adams, and my sort of pessimistic <laughs> pessimistic view. On Clark was he's trying to help his value potentially. I would, like in Could connection with Dylan, I was like, may, is he sort of helping to maybe demonstrate where he is a little bit ahead of schedule? He's doing better. He kind of went into like I would say a very heuristic view of the science and comparing Achilles to ACL and how that could lean. It's very individualistic in terms of how one is progressing in um, uh, getting back to the court. Kraft, one of the things that that continued to come up throughout this entire season and definitely came up in the Q&A was, hey, did you – Kleiman, did you see a need for a vet? Yeah, so I've been frustrated by this. I mean, I've been frustrated all season uh, by this, and and then it, like, reemerged – as everybody, I think, misinterpreted what Kleiman was talking about by tripling down on youth. Like I because because kind of the sort of narrative is they needed a vet in the locker room. Look what happened. They were, you know, like Dylan's mouthing off, Jaws getting, you know, uh, making immature choices. Like they needed a vet. And that frustrates me because they had vets. Like that you can't get more vet than Danny Green. Uh, Steven Adams, uh, multiple reports of Steven Adams in players only meetings, stepping up and asking people to change that like, uh, and so this kind of notion is we need vets in the locker room for that. And I don't think that that was the message coming from climbing that we made a mistake that we didn't have like mature veterans. I think the message coming out on that front was very much jaw, Jaron Bain, y'all are the leaders of the team and y'all have to be better and y'all have to be more mature and y'all it's time to grow up. We, we gave you this team last year and you weren't, you know, and then this is probably more particular at jaw 
than at Bain and Jaron, but y'all were not the leaders we needed. Also, technically, hey, there was this other guy who thought he was a leader named Dylan, who's now no longer going to be on the team. But y'all are the leaders. It'll it's be now, better now he's it's gone. It's now turn your turn. It's now your time to grow up because I think they actually probably did think bringing Danny Green in, having Steven Adams, you know, even having Tyus, who he's not that old, but that they would help. But no, they didn't. Danny Green even admitted these young guys don't listen to me. I mean, the famous quote of LeBron, you know, uh, being upset about the trash talking Grizzlies and him looking at Kyle Anderson and Kyle Anderson saying, hey, I can't control these guys. I don't have any like I can't help you there. And I think and so I think that. That narrative is, and whether good or good or not, and this is we're going to go down with this, and this is a conversation for another time. Is I think the Grizzlies are saying these are our three core players, these are our leaders. We're going to live and die with these three guys, and whether they're mature or not, you know. And, and we can talk about whether that makes us nervous for Jaw in another podcast. So, so that's my frustration. What I think Kleiman was saying: should we have tripled down on youth? And and when he's talking about veterans, is what he's saying is. We were playing rookies and second-year players who were in the G League last year in the playoffs, and that just will not win. And that's what he was saying. He was saying that we bought, we brought in too many rookies uh, that that we, you know, I think because if you look at the fully healthy roster, and in their minds, a Zaire who's a rotation level player. They don't play any of rookies. Roddy, you know, uh, Aldama, they don't get playing time. Even Conchar, like, they're not playing. Like, they assumed we have enough, and with the Danny Green, whoever we get, which, by the way, was Kennard, um, who is a veteran player who was good in the playoffs, and I think that's what they're getting at. Not this, like, locker room, we need a maturing veteran. It was, we can't we can't be developing half our team because what happens, one or two injuries, I mean, <laughs> we're playing guys in the playoffs who are not ready. And that's yeah. what I think you meant. Totally. Yeah. I agree. And one of the things, too, like, Ty, before we – I want to I get your thoughts on this because I know that in terms of, like, thinking where the Grizzlies go next, you've got some ideas – but one other like small little thing that he mentioned twice or Kleiman did about two different players, he did sort of quickly he Kleiman has a history of talking up and sort of predicting up and comers on the roster. You know, like he made predictions about Ja. He had talked about other people. And and I'm super happy to bring this news to you that Kleiman has got high expectations for Junior Lofton, as he called him. <laughs> And LaRavia, like he sort of pumped both of those guys up, which I guess – who who have you put much behind those that message? Uh, I mean, I think for LaRavia especially, in my eyes, I mean, you see a guy to me that has the tools in an area that we need in shooting. I mean, Lofton obviously is just super fun, and you can put him in and he's going to score. And um, – if especially if let's say he has like a two man game going on with Jaron, like I that could be interesting, especially in the in the regular season when we're, if, if we're having to deal with injuries again. But to me, Laravia was the one that kind of like I don't know, light bulb went off because I was if he can somehow find a way to follow what Jenkins wants him to do defensively and can stay on the court on that end, then we could have something on the offensive end. Yeah. So we're time. I'm kicking this question to you right as. LA and Golden State are kicking off when our beloved Grizzlies could be playing um you know trying to dethrone the Warriors in terms of 
where the Grizzlies could go next, maybe even finding a landing spot for Dylan or, or just other opportunities. Who do you think are the likely candidates? Yeah, I think that's kind of the – I mean, that's the next logical steps in this team-building process. Um, what what I kept thinking is, Kraft, when you were like, what we're going to miss, the defensive versatility and all that kind of stuff. Like, yes, but that also kind of implies that we wouldn't also get a player in return that could do those things. And I really think our, our – I mean, I think that's why we've held on to Dylan so long <laughs> – is because we do value that. So I don't see us like getting a player to fill that spot that isn't somewhat defensively versatile, right? I think we just need a holistic upgrade. Um, a guy that knows how to play, understands what we're trying to do, which I think that was a disconnect to um, on the court, is like what we wanted him to do and what he wanted to do were very different things. Um, See, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to really kind of nail down specific players because it's hard to really know who's available but to me it's it's a bigger wing that can defend a little bit and can defend primarily like wing scores on the other on the other team I think the value of Dylan is that he could also do it with with small guards and that's that really is like that's a very rare quality to have not a few people have that in the league um, but also if you could really improve like the offensive game of that three spot, Again, it's just it's it's time after time, and and Jenkins may he even said this in his exit interview of like maybe I need to rethink the way we play our offense, maybe I need to rethink the way we run things. Um, but if things continue as as they are now, to me that spot is is vital offensively. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many instances where like Jaw is such a creator in the paint, and he's such a downhill player that he creates wide open looks and then again the defense can be scrambling right if we had a guy that could not only knock down shots but like create a little bit off the dribble and just kind of like create his own offense and if we need a bucket like that's another guy we can go to to like settle things down so again I don't there are players out there that are going to be mentioned by name for fans I think that is the the type of characteristics in a player that you need to be thinking of um again it's hard to say exactly who that would be so I'll just kind of run through some some Dylan scenarios that I thought of. I texted y'all this. Um, and this is is this a, a sign and trade purely, or is this also where Dylan could just end up? So mostly this is sign and trade thoughts. But again, some the some of these teams do in fact have enough space to just sign him outright. And if that's the case, like that's probably the route this will go. Um, so the first team I have listed is Houston. Uh, the primarily re- primary reason I have that is because it's already been floated um, by actual like pretty decent sources. Jake Fisher of Yahoo, who has notoriously broken like a lot of things before they've happened, and he's kind of become like a little bit more of a household name, um, had mentioned Houston would be interested. They just hired a coach that is absolutely trying to win. They have also been rumored for Chris Middleton and James Harden, which is kind of wild. So that's a that's a Team to keep out with, keep keep in mind, and that would be just them signing him outright. I have the Kings, oddly enough, mentioned. Um, if they're going to play Fox and Herder, they're going to need a guy who can defend bigger wings. Um, something to be interested in. Harrison Barnes, eyes emoji. 
potentially a sign and trade with Harrison Barnes. Um, also had Rashawn Holmes as another guy for a potential sign and trade. BC replacement. Yep, he's two years, twelve million each year, so he would be and, an expiring and, deal. And Adams Insurance, unfortunately. Yep. That's so true. that could make honestly some sense. Um, Portland, if Portland is trying to win, and they are building around Simons and Dame. They just signed Simons to a big contract extension. Dame is obviously making 40-plus million a year for the next five years. I could 100% see them going after a player like Dylan because they don't need perimeter scoring. They need someone who can just defend the better, the team's best player on the perimeter. And Dylan fits. And Chauncey Billings will be like, that's my dog. Yes. And I kind of was looking <laughs> at, like, who could sign and trade possibilities if we, like, went down this road. Uh the only thing I could come up with, which I would love this, is Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant would be a, a really good spot on our roster. Um, but he's also a free agent, so it would have to be double like – Double sign and trade. It would have to be a double sign and trade, which I don't know if that has ever happened in NBA history. Maybe it has. I think the D'Angelo Russell trade was, right? With Kevin Durant? Was that not? No, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I'll go quick on these last few so we can get talking about other stuff. I have the Mavs, Kraft's uh, favorite, um, just zero perimeter defense at all. I have the Cavs, uh, again, perimeter defender, but he and Donovan Mitchell don't have a great history. So the smoothest one, the one that makes the most sense, would be Toronto. So the reason I say that, uh, someone asked, or someone kind of brought up, like they fired Nurse, so they are kind of like, are they tanking right now? Are they kind of getting rid of their team? And then Matt Harlicka on Twitter was basically like, they just gave up a protected pick for Jakob Pertl. Um, so clearly, the, and the, he's a free agent, so they're going to retain him, retain him. So there's a good chance that they're not tanking, that they're going to actually try to win. They're just going to try to shake things up. Fred Van Vliet is a free agent this summer. Um, he is looking to make a pretty good bag as well. So there's a chance they could be lacking in the in the point guard department. So honestly, if they would want Dylan, a guy to kind of slot in, also Gary Trent has a player option. They're starting two guard this past season, so he could 100% decline that player option and want a longer deal. So there's a chance their two spot could be up for grabs as well. So if they're going to move with Siakam, Barnes, and Pirtle as kind of their like forward front court, um, and if they would want Tyus back again to kind of fill that role in the point guard, and if they'd want Dylan back and we get OG, that would be ideal scenario for the Grizzlies. I just don't think it's likely to happen. They also they do seemingly, you know, Fred Van Vliet is the only is the only player in the NBA who had more shot attempts than Dylan Brooks with a worse field goal percentage. So they seem to like the uh, <laughs> the high the high shot attempts. Low field goal percentage players With all that said Like I do think Dylan obviously Like someone Some people have said Like Kevin O'Connor Said like I wouldn't sign him For the minimum Like that's just dumb Like as much as We dislike Dylan Because we've had to Deal with it for so long He definitely has a spot In the NBA Like a significant one Right Like he started For a team that won 50 plus games Two years in a row that, like that says mute something. Kevin O'Connor. There, there there will, yeah, there will be a place for right. Dylan. Well, I'll Teams tell you, will want him. Speaking of Ringer, I mean, Waz, um, who I think is very entertaining, I mean, he basically said he thinks if Dylan, like, because he's he's down on the Grizzlies culture, like, general. And he was saying if Dylan got into a culture like like the, the Warriors, he would be great. So, like, I just think there's a lot of people who are going to just think we – 
we can minimize the weaknesses and we can get him to play what we want, like yeah, what we do. More I think power people, to him. Good luck. People are going to talk. They're going to people talk to themselves. And good I mean, luck. I, I still would be shocked if he doesn't make uh, more than the mid-level exception on the market. So to your yeah, point, the D'Angelo Connor, Russell was not a double sign and trade. By the way, it yeah. was only a D'Angelo okay. Russell getting signed and traded. Just wanted to clean that yeah, up. To, be, to your <laughs> point, the KFC. Good fact is check of crazy. yourself, Mr. Walker. Are there any other climbing exit interview? topics that we should discuss before we move on to our last bit of I mean this the, pod. the biggest one would have been him not mentioning Dylan and saying we're going to save it for a later date but we you know we have enough on Dylan I today. do think I do think it's like his he has gotten more honest and more open every availability that he's had and the fact that he reiterated we have been aggressive in the past and we're going to continue to be very aggressive and the fact that he is open and honest and not like necessarily second guessing his like going young kind of thing. Cause honestly, like it's, it's a part of me tries to not be prisoner of the moment. And the fact that like for this season, maybe there was a window to make a real run at this. And yes, maybe so if we would have gotten a little bit more veteran laden bench unit that we would have been better this year. But the other part of me is I'm not trying to rule out like three or four years from now, if Roddy and Santi and Zaire, for that matter, if he's not traded, are legit, like, big-time rotation players, it would be really hard to ignore this season for a building block for them personally, right? The fire that Roddy was thrown into, like, he had to grow up quickly. He had to learn. Yeah. And players grow from that. Like, they really do. Yeah, totally. And I think it and that may not be the case, but in a couple years from now, if we see Roddy getting big minutes and playing well in the playoffs and hitting big shots and a versatile defender, it's not going to be lost on me that this season could have played a role in that. Yeah. How do you get experience? You experience. That's it. Yeah, man. I mean, God, Very Jenkins-like of you over there, Mr. Walker. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> excuse me, I, I really thought that the climbing, the honesty, aggressiveness talk, felt like it was talking directly to fans like it, it it sort of seemed like he was like look guys we realize the talent that we have we're tr he mentioned this multiple times this is about the goal is a championship the goal is not western conference finals or just to compete a la chris wallace level houston nut type discussion it's we want to bring a parade in my city yeah so he, I mean, and I, I mean, I really felt that now, whether he was just trying to talk through media, sorry. Was so that many it? song lyrics yeah. on this podcast. Hey, yeah. I, I was still laughing at the Houston nut reference. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just all of the Austin sports culture reference. If you don't know what that means and we'll talk to you, you know, you can hop into my DMS of which that would have to be Twitter, I guess. But I, I just appreciated the acknowledgement because it is the, we have, it's saying, we think that this core three is enough. We're being aggressive trying to be bring people in. We're not just going to move forward with the status quo. And as a fan, like you want that in your ownership and your GM to go figure out how to make some stuff happen. And that doesn't mean they can pull stuff off all the time. Takes two to make a trade. That's right. And that's what he said. All right. So, and guys. A, and a silver lining of us 
being a weird place is sorry is that is that maybe people actually think our draft picks I'll are give worth you something. the close <laughs> no no you go ahead no no that was it. that's by the way if people have asked <laughs> i think you. a silver lining about that is that because people are like oh they're always going to be great our draft picks i think now people are starting to think oh maybe we could self-destruct and so i think there might be more people willing to take a bunch of our picks people have also asked who should you cheer for in the just miserable lakers warriors series when there's no one to cheer for I would say cheer for the Lakers because the sooner the Warriors lose, the better odds that our 2024 pick from them is going to be favorable because they're going to try to basically make stuff happen to, to you know, make another run at it. So And who doesn't love cheering for D'Lo? Oh, it's, I mean, it's hard. I might not watch more than what we're watching right now. I, this all right, guys, as we close, we're going we're gonna to try to do this quickly in honor of you know the fact that life is much better now that Dylan's gone. We're gonna give our quick snake draft of players and a quick rationale of what for the Grizzlies uh, historical players when we were glad that they were gone. And we're gonna do like three picks each in snake draft order, starting with Kraft. Who is your first uh, pick? My number one pick. Your oh, number this, one this overall. Close. My number one pick. He's probably one of my least favorite Grizzlies players of all time. At no point did I like him. I was continually ready for us to get rid of him. And shockingly, we got rid of them and then had our most successful season ever. And that would be Rudy Gay is my number one pick. Mm. How so, many, Did all of us pick. have Rudy somewhere unanimously yes. on our list? Yes. Awesome. Love it. Ty, you get to go next. Perfect. I can't, I'm so excited I get to go in front of Will. I'm so mad. <laughs> so mine is not a player, but indeed. I'm so mad. The just the worst of the worst. Our beloved Chris Wallace. <laughs> I was so excited for this curveball I was going to throw in. Then Don't Ty and I looked at each explain. other and we knew it was going to happen. Congratulations on your pick, Ty. Thank you. I appreciate that. I had, and I just just for clarity, like Will had it. I also had. Every Chris Wallace draft pick, <laughs> which AKE it, it just equaled Chris Wallace. So, yeah. All right, Mr. Walker. Well, you get you get pick one. You know, pick what is this? No, no, I get the. I'm yeah, the last. you get to, yeah, you get, get coming the, around get the, the round other back. side. Yeah, yeah, I know who Brantley's is going to be. Yeah, so I'm going to leave one at least. It's just so obvious um, who Brantley's is. Which is why I'm just going to go ahead and take the best available, and that's Chandler Parsons. It was a, a mistake from the start. I disagree. I disagree 100%. <laughs> he led the, he, but he gave us John Morant. Mistake from the start. I don't False. know if he gave us John Morant. He, um, listen, I don't put, I don't put all of that on him. I put it on Chris Wallace, which is why Chris Wallace was my actual number one on the board. And I don't blame him for taking the money since we Only didn't give him a, a medical. Only good deal Wallace did was, was sign. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, I think that that was just a it, – it wasn't necessarily him as much as it was what he represented, which was just a terrible management and the, and the official end of the grit and grind era. And so that's he's like the poster child for that in-between era. And I think that once he was actually traded – which he ended up getting traded rather than like bought out or waived. Um, it just signaled. It was like a. It was like a symbolic thing too. So everybody was just like exhaling. It was great. I actually messed up. I should ask Ty. Is, was it the first or the second time Chris Wallace was gone that you were drafting, or is, is it just general? It's just all of them. All of them. Okay. The second time was the sweetest. Guys, I I am so happy to be able to pick with my number one overall. I'm so glad. So I'm so glad that he is gone. 
Because when we look back, when we look back on the current era that we are in, we are going to look back the all the, mo- the the brief eloquent monologue that Kraft gave on Rudy Gay. We are going to say that Dylan was equal to that. Getting rid of Dylan is going to be the biggest addition by subtraction that this core three will ever face. He's the official into the Chris Wallace era. We now no longer have good point there. A Chris Wallace player on this roster. It is over. And now we can fully stamp the the correct direction that the that this franchise really wants to go holistically. And I, without a shadow of a doubt, believe that all positives moving forward and we will never look back and regret the Dylan Brooks decision. In the yeah. words of Draymond Green, the dynasty starts after you. The dynasty starts. I mean, and maybe Draymond decides to come to Memphis oh, to help, we- considering that if we hadn't had messed up that draft pick and picked Tony Roten instead in 2013, <laughs> then we could have we had Draymond, pick, I wonder. which is something that we had all considered. To so, your theory, we always need one crazy person. We need one crazy person, and I'd love for Draymond to be that vet presence, bring him in. Awesome. Trade. So I'm going to round out my second pick. This is a tie. This is more Tony about – Tony Roten wasn't the pick? No, he was in my like – this is more about who do I think can I can get my last pick. And guys, I'm 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 gonna pick Andrew Harrison. I I just I couldn't stand watching him. He represented a terrible time in the Grizz era. He couldn't. He was he was awful. I it was awful. He is a Grizzdenism at this point. Uh, yes. See this before my time. He's not even in my top ten. But I but I, but he's like I Andrew can Harrison see face. Is there anything I can worse? see it? I love that you have ten. Oh, I have ten. We'll oh, yeah. let you do a couple on. Yeah, they'll missions. be out, but I, I'll be fine. I'm sure we're gonna get most of them. Um, I will. Back to you, Jeff Green. Mm, that's a, he's a nice guy. Listen, Jeff Green has <laughs> listen, he has salvaged whatever he was like on the Nuggets, he's had some highlights. It's unbelievable how much better he is for them, like at whatever age he is now. I'm telling you, he is his game has gotten better every single year he's been in the league when most most of the time it goes the opposite way for players at his age. And I think it's because of the reduced role. Jeff Green, we spent a first round pick on to bring him in, and I just remember thinking, what wasted potential in a player because he did not, he could not shoot. He was good for one dunk every three months that would break the internet, and other than that, it was just disappointment and a lack of meeting physical tools with drive. And I know that he has an incredible story, and you know he has he he came from a lot of adversity. Props to him, but for the Grizzlies at this specific time in this specific era, we needed more. We spent a freaking first round draft pick on a guy who just completely disappointed every time. And and I was just I did not love the Jeff Green experience and was happy when he was gone. Great I'm gonna pick. cheat again, if that's okay with everyone. And I'm going David Fisdale. Um I think Take he's the, for data. I think he's the biggest joke of a coach that we've seen in probably 10 years. Um, I think he was awful. I think that he was very arrogant. He's like the opposite of Jenkins. He came in with all this like self-entitlement. Look what I've done as an assistant with the with the Heat Big Three. Oh, man, sorry, you had Eric Spolstra, who's considered one of the best coaches in the world. Also, you had one of the greatest teams in the last 
20 years assembled and you happen to be an assistant and you won, that's great. He was just awful. The fact that he and Mark didn't get along well at all, hated. Um, I, I, JB Bickerstaff would probably be close Ty, after that. Why did you? I didn't pick him, but I might now but just you spoiled to prove him. it to you. <laughs> I just think I just think Fizzell was terrible. I just didn't like him at all. He immediately went to like ESPN and started saying dumb stuff on television. I love how you haven't picked a player yet. Just Nick Calathis is going to be my player. Oh, another one. Why you go ahead? Take all, all the picks. I'm going to take it for you anyway. <laughs> you are crazy. We I should never. Kalathis. We should never have gotten rid of him. He's awesome. Calathis. Oh yeah, I love him. In the love Greek Kalathis league, maybe. I, I didn't. Him. I did. Actually, yeah. wasn't going to pick Calathis. I like Calathis. You lost. He just. He I just. just you know, he guy was just trying to grow some hair. I didn't. I picked one player. There you go. All right, Kraft. Who's your Who's your second round pick? Uh, okay. Two picks. Um, I'm looking. Hadadi. See, I'm starting to have OJ. I mean, oh. Uh, <laughs> You're being such a jerk. I about, can am, we mute his microphone? Am, so for me, uh, so I really tried to, because I think there are people that are like more actually realistic, but I really tried to go with, um, I tried to be true to myself on how happy I was when I found out we were moving on from them. And, uh, and so the first one, so because I get two picks in a row here, um, I'm taking Shelvin Mack. Uh, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy we moved on from him uh, because I love Marc Gasol and nothing made Marc Gasol less happy than having to play with Shelvin Mack. And it was just a sad state of affairs. And I was so happy when he was not on the Grizzlies anymore. Um, and then this is my one. This is my. Uh, this is your last round. This is my, your last I pick. Know, Make it count. I, oh, my gosh. I'll give you some honorable mentions. Well, no, but it's, you made it's hard. Well, 35. I, see, I guess this is where I'm trying to be honest with myself. And it's going to be controversial. People place. are going to be very unhappy out. with me. Uh, I was very happy when we got rid of Lionel Hollins. I was I wanted Dave Yeager to be the coach, and so if I'm going to be true to myself, even though I'm seeing six names that are much more a normal person who's not a, a weirdo like me would choose before Lionel Hollins, who by the way was our most successful coach as far as the the uh, taking us furthest. In the playoffs, but uh, his his X's and O's drive me crazy. His rotations drove me crazy, and so I was I was shocked we moved on from him. Um, but I was very happy when he did, and so I have to put it on my list. Even though you know history might say that I'm I'm crazy for saying it. So, but I'm trying to be true to the to the uh, to the exercise. All right, Ty, are you gonna go strategy here just to piss Will off, or are you Maybe. gonna like pick He's already some? done it? Maybe. Uh man, player wise, um, Shelvin Mack was a good one. That was a really good one. Um I'm having a hard time with like specific players. Like Chandler Parsons, I understand, because we just needed so much more of him and he was just so done. Um I can't, I'm I'm really struggling to find players. So I'm gonna go sorry, Will. I don't know if you had this. I'm gonna go with I'm cheating the whole time. I'm going bigger staff again. Uh, watching that offense with bigger staff was just horrendous. It was so bad. I don't know how he, he just did had a pretty so good well in Cleveland, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, people have already been like, I don't know if bigger staff's a good coach. Um, He's could have told you that one. Um, he was just a stay over again after Fisdale, the worst coach of all time. Um, I'm just so glad that we didn't try to run it back with a new team with with uh, bigger staff, and we just went fresh and signed Jenkins. So you're with your picks. You're saying there was a day in Grizz history that was probably your favorite day 
of all your happiest day of all time because we got rid of two of those two of your picks were gotten rid of on the same day. I'll never forget this day because Brantley and I were yes. working together and it <laughs> happened while we were both in the office. This is right. Like it bro- the news broke and we were we were sitting next to each other and it was the happiest I have been in a long time. When it comes to sports, I remember this. Yeah, I probably should have chosen JB, but I chose Lionel. And so. I'll, I, if we're comparing to Ole Miss coaches, I mean Matt Luke, that was exactly who JB Bickerstaff was—just an interim who got promoted for no other reason than his players loved him. And you know, you should definitely listen to players for every single personnel decision. Totally. Um, okay, I have a couple of like small ones, but I'm going to save those for honorable mention at the very end. I'm going to go Pau Gasol. Listen, yeah, it's a great pick. I'm I'm surprised he made it this far. Powell was the first great Grizzly, but you think of every playoff run with Powell, we did not have one playoff win to show for it. He was not fun to watch until later in his career where he had to get creative with more playmaking. He flopped all the time, which is my least favorite trait in a player, and you, you just couldn't feel that he was a franchise guy that was going to take you uh, further than qualifying for the playoffs and so he it was part of what people consider one of the worst most lopsided trades in NBA Ooh. history however we got his brother Mark and that's what started the better Gasol the better Gasol that's what started the revolution for a franchise that was starving for for something uh, Chris Wallace you know lucked out if you will uh, in that respect by having Mark included in that trade and yeah, I mean that was that was a big deal at the time. I'm so predictable. That's a great one, by the way. And y'all know my hated Grizzly that I'm gonna pick last, and I saved it is C Lee. I will never understand this one because I don't either. I, I love Courtney because like okay, it's because at a time when the grit and grind era needed a pure shooter, needed someone to be able to be able to to hit real shots, he wasn't dependable. He was a he was he terrible. He was no. not great in clutch moments. He hit he he was the most Dude, hesitant shooter. He was That's so was hesitant. Say. The Duke could stroke. He just never shot. He never wanted to hit he shots in the playoffs. Tice. Little he, his whole yes. career was the way Kennard looked for the first two Grizzlies. Games. In the playoffs, so. he was so he 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 was so scared of the moment. He wasn't ready for it. He would have like random big games where he would like go three for five or something in the regular season, and we needed more. It was like he was like supposed to be this guy that would like come in and open up the offense and actually hit shots from the outside. And he could, he just didn't do it. And it was just like that was all we needed. We just needed like Luke Kennard next to Conley and Gasol and Zebo, and we would have won a title. And instead, we got Courtney Lee, and he sucked. I think this is, to me, the reason why I don't hate him at that level is because the Grizzlies as an organization has just been starved for any shooting. And so in my mind, just relatively, he was a better shooter than we had normally had. But, you know, point taken. I he, wish he that wasn't I pulled the, best. the stats. It's like his playoff yeah. stats are awful. I've looked at them before. Trust me, they're terrible. Plus, he had that fun game-winning shot. Against oh, the Kings. The I was in the that I was, was in the building. Was it was okay, crazy. but that was more Vince Carter than it was Sealy. <laughs> no. Yes, it was. It was the Vince Carter lob. Uh, I don't know. It, had it, I, it wasn't a great pass. It was a little. Uh, I don't well, know. Like, short. There's. I. I respect your take on Sealy, but there's a, you left a lot of people here on the, on the shelf. Can I say a one lot of worst that players people may may not have at the time? 
Uh, Jonas was on there for me. Oh, the Jonas was Jonas was because when I saw what we got five back rounds for Jonas, I was like, ooh. As funny as I'm wearing Adams, my this basketball is fun to play T-shirt. I love that shirt. Ben McElmore. Ben McLemore is on my list too. Y- Jonas was just some, but Jonas for me it was because I knew he wasn't good <laughs> enough, and I didn't think we'd ever trade him. You know, yeah, that was Jonas. That was that was my. There's worry different with levels him. of this. There's different stuff. levels, but yeah. no, I mean I definitely um, right Crap, above. You don't get a monologue, but you can name like three to four more just to Go make fast. people right just... above. Right above Jonas was who uh, we'll just na- named Ben McLemore. Seemed to beat Andre Iguodala. I put him on there. It's funny to beat. I mean, uh, oh, and then and then in my top, the one top player that nobody mentioned, Justice Winslow. Yeah, mm. that one was tough. That one was more sad. Wah, wah. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. yeah, but no, set, we all had such high. But for him. but for me, it became a bad thing when he was being when we were like sitting t- when we were sitting Tyus uh, and making Jaw mad, and then just had the weirdest like four game stretch with Justice. So I'm glad he's gone. Yeah. Guys, on a night when. There's a playoff game on when theoretically the Grizzlies could be on and we could be watching, sweating, stressing, watching players that we love and at least one that I think we've all collectively grown to say we're going to be better now that he's gone. It's glad to get together and have some optimism and some positive vibes holistically. Regardless of what happens, I do think that there's there's some interesting paths that the front office could take in this offseason moving into the season where they lean into a certain du- direction and maybe a little bit of a different style or they say hey we're we're going to sort of upgrade the position and do some things and give up some assets to make it happen it's going to be interesting to watch today was a day that we will be able to look back and say this is sort of spearheading the next direction we're all here for it. For the next time that Will, Ty, Kraft, and I get together, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, listen, rate, review, jump into the DMs. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon. Go Grizz.